Good morning. Welcome to White Plains Baptist Church. My name is Gary and I joyfully serve as senior pastor here. And if you're new to us, I want to say a special welcome to you. Thank you for being our guest this morning. Uh, You are an answer to prayer. I've been praying for you and your family this week and I am am glad that you're here. And as our guest, I hope that you find our church to be a warm and welcoming group of people. Thank you again for being our guest this morning. Kids, it's always good to see you here at church. Uh, and kids' church today, I was, well, this morning I was teaching the kids' uh, Sunday school class, and so I was able to see a little bit about what you're going to be learning in kids' church this morning. Um, you're going to learn that Paul told believers to be ready to fight a spiritual battle every day. People and powers who are against God are against us too. But Jesus, he died and he rose from the dead. He had victory over evil. And we can fight the battle against evil knowing that Jesus has already won. He's already won the war. And that's, that's good news, isn't it, kids? It was good to see Katie's baptism this morning. She doesn't reject Jesus. Um, she doesn't, um, she's not against God anymore. She is for God and, and following Jesus. Her story of how she stopped rejecting Jesus is in the bulletin. I would encourage you to have your parents read her story to you this afternoon to hear her story with Jesus. It's always good to hear and see people following Jesus. Kids, thank you for being here at church with us. You are dismissed to go to the lobby to be taken up to Kids Church. And Kids Church is for kids in um, kindergarten through fifth grade. Parents and grandparents and those who brought little ones, you're able to pick them up in the lobby after our service is over this morning. We're going to be in Jude, chapter, uh, chapter 1. There's only one chapter in Jude. We're going to be in verses 11 through 16 this morning as we continue in our series, Unfollow. We're spending five weeks going through this short letter of Jude, verse by verse, to really understand what it says, to apply it to our lives. And the letter says difficult things. The letter says difficult stuff. But... If there's anything that should allow, be allowed to tell us difficult things, shouldn't that be the Bible? The Bible is constantly scrutinized, and the world is continually trying to discount and discredit what's in the Bible. And the church that doesn't know the Bible and live by the Bible is going to be a church that will ultimately unfollow Jesus. This is why we're spending time with this often ignored letter of the New Testament because we don't want to be the ones to unfollow the one that we're called to follow. As your pastor, I don't want you to let the world sneak into your mind and lead you away. I'm using the Bible through this series in Jude to point out to you how false teachers will attempt to lead you to follow your own desires, your own opinions, your own thoughts, and your own sins. No one is immune to the temptation of following a false teacher or false teaching. Before we get into Jude this morning, I do find it necessary to clarify something from last week's message. I made the statement last week that I wasn't going to name names when it comes to calling out false teachers. Now that statement was not meant to cast doubt on anyone in the church past or present. As far as, our, as, far as I know, our teaching team which includes our Sunday school teachers, our preschool teachers, kids ministry teachers, student ministry teachers, young adult ministry teachers, men and women's Bible studies. We have a lot of teachers around here. 
And as far as I know, none of them are false teachers. My, my message last week was not meant to cast doubt or make you think that there was someone in the building that was teaching false or had been in the building. I don't sense, nor have I sensed, a hint of false teaching in our teaching volunteers and staff here at White Plains. One of the members of our teaching team kindly came to me last week and asked if I was speaking about an issue here. And I assured this person that I was not, but in our discussion, I could see how my words last week could have led some to believe that I might have been speaking about a false, false teacher inside our walls. I don't see or sense any false teacher here. And so to clarify on not naming names from last week, my goal last week, and really throughout this whole series, is to equip you to be able to spot a false teacher biblically for yourself. I could name names. I could give you a whole list of names to avoid, but that really wouldn't do much good because then you'd be following me and not Scripture in that point. So I think Scripture tells us enough to be able to spot a false teacher by using Scripture, not by listening to what I say necessarily. And so online pastors, this is the group that I want us to all be aware of. There's good online pastors. There's also false teachers in the online pastor world. And, and this is the group that I want us to be aware of and because you and I are always just one click away from a false teacher. From YouTube to Google searches, in our interest in the Bible and in godly matters, we are just one click away from someone who might attempt to distort our views. If you can't see what a false teacher does and how they do it, you could be easily, just as I could, we could all be easily brought down the path of following a false teacher if we don't know how to spot them. This morning I'm going to continue to try to equip you, through Jude, to have the ability to spot a false teacher online or today, wherever you may find people saying things of God. We all use the internet to grow in our understanding of God and the Bible, and there's been no other point in the history of the church, or the history of mankind really, that you and I have the world and all its good and all its bad in our pocket. With our phones, our laptops, and whatever the device we may have, we have access to all kinds of things that we didn't have before. So the church in general must learn how to spot a false teacher. Sometimes it's easy. Many times it's not. And so I'm thankful for the way that this member of our teaching team lovingly and kindly approached me last week. So I want to spend just a, a moment to clarify my words last week in case any of you might have had similar thoughts. I would encourage you to do the same if there is anything that I'm preaching that, may, that brings questions into your mind, feel free to reach out to me. I am more than happy to sit and talk with you and to provide clarity on the things that I see in Scripture and the things that I preach. Let's look in Jude, verses 11 through 16. Again, we're going to be reading from the English Standard Version and for this series, the New Living Translation is we look at what Jude is writing to the church. These passages are in your notes, and so uh, feel free to follow along there. As a reminder, the ESV is a word-for-word -word translation, while the New Living Translation is a thought-for-thought -thought or a meaning-for-meaning -meaning translation approach. And if you don't know the original languages, it's helpful to look at these two different types of translation philosophies to try to see what the original writers were writing in the Bible. 
This is the ESV version of Jude 11 through 16. Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden griefs at your love feast as they feast with you without fear. Shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loudmouth boasters showing favoritism to gain advantage. So that's the ESV. Let's see what the New Living Translation says with the same passage of Scripture. Verse 11, What sorrows await them? For they follow in the footsteps of Cain, who killed his brother. Like Balaam, they deceive people for money. Like Korah, they perish in their rebellion. When these people eat with you in your fellowship meals, commemorating the Lord's love, they are like dangerous reefs that can shipwreck you. They are like shameless shepherds who care only for themselves. They are like clouds blowing over the land without giving any rain. They are like trees in autumn that are doubly dead, for they bear no fruit and have been pulled up by the roots. They are like wild waves of the sea, churning up the foam of their shameful deeds. They are wandering stars doomed forever to the blackest darkness. Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam, prophesied about these people. He said, listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones, to execute judgment on the people of the world. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done and for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These people are grumblers and complainers, living only to satisfy their desires. They brag loudly about themselves and they flatter others to get what they want. Let's pray in response to what we just read in Scripture. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that we find here concerning those who would lead us away. Lord, you are good and your truth is good. Help us to know your word and to love your word. And and when false teachers may try to entice us by saying things that might feel good or sound good, Lord, help us to, to know the difference, to see the error and to avoid the error. Thank you again for what you tell us in your word as you warn us lovingly to watch out for false teachers. You are good. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in the first uh, few verses here, in verses 11 through 13, Jude continues to use the Old Testament as examples to describe the decisions and the deceptions of false teachers. The first example that we have here is the example of Cain. False teachers like Cain are hateful. You remember Cain from the Old Testament, right? This is the first son of Adam and Eve. In Genesis 4, in Genesis 4, 1 through 15, we have much of the story of Cain and his brother and his hatred and what happens 
Listen to this portion of Genesis 4. This is verses 3 through 8. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock, of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not, if you do, not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you. But you must rule over it. Cain spoke to, his, to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Cain became angry because he felt rejected, that his offering to God was not received in the same way as his brother's was. That rejection led to anger. Anger became hatred. Hatred drove Cain to murder. Cain wasn't happy with his lot in life. Cain was not happy at all. He killed his brother because of that hatred. False teachers, Jude says, walks in the way of Cain. They walk in the way of Cain. And because they're not happy with their lot in life, they are driven by their hatred, ultimately toward God, and lead others away from the truth. Their words kill False teachers like Balaam are greedy. You may not be familiar with the story of Balaam. Most people are not. In Numbers 22 through 24, we have stories of Balaam, who is a prophet for hire. King Balak of Moab pays Balaam to curse the people of Israel. Now, this whole storyline is interesting in Numbers, especially concerning how Balaam interacts with all the little g-gods and then Yahweh as well. He had no allegiance to anybody. He had no allegiance to God or the false gods. He played all sides for money. Balaam gains his wealth from doing evil. False teachers gain wealth from their greed. False teachers will follow the example of Balaam and teach for greedy reasons. False teachers like Korah, rebel. They rebel. Korah is probably another biblical person you might not be familiar with. We have historian Numbers 16, 1 through 35. Korah was a Levite who rejected the rightful authority of Moses and Aaron. Korah led a rebellion of 250 people, priests, against Moses and Aaron. Listen to this from Numbers 16, 2 and 3. And they rose up before Moses with a number of the people of Israel, 250 chiefs of the congregation, chosen from the assembly, well-known men. They assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said to them, you've gone too far. For all in the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? False teachers do not submit to the God-ordained authority. They are, in their minds, an authority unto themselves. False teachers are rebellious. They will lead you to rebel against God-ordained authority. Ultimately, for Korah, it, it destroys them, destroys the rebellion. 
As we continue in Jude, we learn that false teachers destroy. Jude describes them as hidden reefs. If you know anything about boating, you can't see hidden reefs because they're hidden. You can't see them, but they are destructive. They will bring a boat down. False teachers destroy. Now these hidden reefs, these false teachers, they do more than just break a propeller. They destroy. They sink the ship. False teachers also pretend to be Christians. By being false teachers, they're not true believers, but they pretend to be. They, in Jude, they are in the church. They are active. Jude talks about them being at the love feast. Are you familiar with what love feasts are in the New Testament? The early church was accused of cannibalism and incest because of the love feast. When a non-Christian, that, that may sound weird, and it is weird, but when a non-Christian walks by a church in the early church days, they would hear things like Christians calling each other brothers and sisters. We do that today. They would speak, they would hear about the brothers and sisters having love for each other. We do that today. The outside world assumed that meant incest. We know better. We know the truth. We know that love does not equal lust and that we're not biological brothers and sisters, but we're spiritual brothers and sisters. But the unknowing world outside the church assumed something, and they accused the church of practicing incest. They also assumed the church was practicing cannibalism because as they walked by the church, they would hear somebody inside the church say, this is my body, take and eat, and they would assume cannibalism. Now we know this is a practice of celebrating what? Communion, the Lord's Supper. But to an outsider, it sounds like cannibalism. The church was accused of some weird stuff because of these love feasts. We don't call them love feasts anymore, we call them worship services. As the church gathering together, observing the Lord's Supper and communion. All that to say is these false teachers were at the love feast, according to Jude. They were there. They were inside the church, acting like Christians, pretending to be Christians. Jude points out that these false teachers are there, and we have access to them in our pockets now. We also need to be aware that they may one day come inside our doors and try to teach things. False teachers are focused on themselves. Jude says these false teachers are described as shepherds feeding themselves. A shepherd's got to eat, but that's not what the shepherd's role is. The shepherds are there to feed the sheep. They are leaders in the church that instead of feeding the church, they focus on themselves. False teachers also promise things they cannot deliver. Jude equates the false teachers to waterless clouds and fruitless trees. My wife and I, Emily, we met in college at Western Kentucky University uh, a few years ago, and we took a meteorology class together. It was a fun class to take, especially as we were dating. We might have been engaged. Were we engaged by then, probably? We didn't date long, so we probably were. Um, but we had this sweet older gentleman as our professor. We called him Gramps. And the biggest thing that I remember about our class at Western 
other than trying to academically impress my future wife, was that Gramps taught us something that, I don't know that it's true, but he taught it, and so that's what I still have in mind every time I see a cloud. He taught us every time there's a cloud, whether it be a cumulus, cirrus, or stratus, or whatever combination of them, it all means basically the same thing. He said that if you see a cloud, it means rain within 24 hours. That was what he taught us. Clouds equal rain. Not so with these false teachers. They are waterless clouds. They are clouds that don't produce rain. They promise things that they cannot deliver. They are trees that don't produce fruit. False teachers are truly useless. False teachers mislead. Jude says they are wandering stars. In the days of Jude, people used stars for navigation. They would use the stars for their directions. And we can still do this today, but we've just replaced this practice with GPS, maps, and other technologies. But the stars would lead people to places. False teachers, Jude says, wander. They don't stay put. They don't stay focused on the foundation of God's word. They don't lead people in the right direction. They mislead. Jude says that gloom and utter darkness has been reserved for these false teachers forever. Let's continue in verses 14 through 16. These words are in your notes. Listen to them as I read them again. It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against them. These, grumbler, these are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loudmouth boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. So here is where we get the quote from the extra-biblical book, First Enoch, or Enoch. You are more than welcome to read First Enoch. It is not a forbidden book. It's not a sinful book to read. It is actually quite helpful to read books that were written about the same times that different books of our Bible were written. It's helpful to, to do that because it brings to life the Bible in a way that sets it up apart from other types of things people were writing about God at that time. If you read books that are not part of Scripture, whether they're modern books or ancient books, if they're not part of Scripture, you can't treat them like Scripture. They're, you should not equate them with Scripture. You should not think that they're accurate in all they say. The Bible stands alone in that. Now, because Jude does quote 1 Enoch 1-9, through 9, we can say at least that this passage in Enoch is biblical, is true. We can't necessarily say that for 1 Enoch 1.8 or Enoch 1-whatever, but we can say this for 1 Enoch 1.9. So what does Enoch prophesy about false teachers here? False teachers are promised to be condemned for destruction. False teachers will be condemned. Now they may be allowed to run loose and wild for a while, but be sure false 
teachers will not inherit the kingdom of God. They will be punished. False teachers also deserve their destruction. As Jude quotes Enoch, they repeatedly use the phrase ungodly. Did you notice that as we read through this quote from First Enoch? Ungodly is like every other word, it seems like. Ungodly is the opposite of godly. It means not godly. The ungodly deserve destruction because ungodly people do ungodly things in ungodly ways. That de deserves destruction. False teachers grumble and complain. As Jude wraps up this passage of Scripture, false teachers grumble and complain. Jude spends verse 16 further describing the characteristics of false teachers. They are known by their grumbling and complaining. They are never content. If someone is teaching you and their character is one marked by grumbling and complaining, they may be attempting to lead you away from God in their grumbling and complaining. False teachers follow their own sinful desires and brag loudly about themselves, according to Jude. Jude says these false teachers are led by their own sinful desires. They are their biggest fans. They brag about themselves loudly for all to hear. They are the center of their world. I've often said to you that this is God's universe that we're living in. He is the main character. We are a part of it. We have purpose. We have dignity. We are created in the image of God. But God is the main character. He is the center of the story that's unfolding around us the story of, that unfolded in the Bible. False teachers will make themselves the center. False teachers show favoritism to get ahead. Jude finishes this passage by writing that false teachers will show favoritism to get ahead. They will please people to gain a foothold to advance their agenda. It's not sincere. It's political. It's sinful, and it's not what Christians should do. Now, do you remember who Jude's full brother was? James. James, the guy who wrote the book of James. And here's what James writes in his letter. James 2.9 says this. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality... You are committing sin and are convicted by the law as a transgressor. When the false teacher ultimately meets God, it won't go well for them. God has the final say. Destruction is promised. Destruction will happen. And I want you to be aware of the tactics of false teachers so that you don't follow them into their destruction. I want you to be aware of what's promised for them. Now Jude, quite honestly, has been a difficult book for me. As your pastor trying to lead you through a book that's not a fun read, it's not a light read, it's awfully heavy, and it brings up things that we might just want to put back in the Bible. It's not been an easy book. 
But Jude didn't really want to write this book. Remember, he wanted to encourage his readers about their salvation. But he found it necessary to write about false teachers who were affecting the minds of the church. Jude had a half-brother, Jesus. Let me quickly take you to Philippians 2. This is 1 through 11. These are Paul's words to the Philippian church. And perhaps Jude wanted to write something like this as he wrote to the church. This is Philippians. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself taking, by taking the form of a servant, by being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Perhaps that's what Jude wanted to write. That is what Paul wrote. And his commands to us are basically the exact opposite of the way of false teachers are described. You and I, we should be unified in love, selfless and humble, because that is who Jesus is. That is the one we follow. Jesus emptied himself. Jesus humbled himself himself. Jesus was obedient to God the Father, even to the point of death. And in his death, Jesus died for you. He died for your sin, for you to be unified with God, to be brought back to God. Listen to these words from John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. I'll invite the worship team to come back up. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. His is the name that we proclaim. He is the one we follow. We don't follow a pastor. We don't follow a teacher. We don't follow a YouTube channel. Not anyone else. It's Jesus we are called to follow. Are you following Jesus? It was so good to see Katie getting baptized. She is following Jesus. She was obedient to God's word to get baptized after she proclaimed her faith. Then she proclaimed it publicly just now. Do you need to follow her lead by getting baptized in some other way? Following Jesus is a lifelong commitment. It is not a one-time decision. 
we are called by Jesus to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow him. This is a constant thing. It is an ongoing thing. It's not a one-time thing we did years ago when we're good. We must constantly follow Jesus. As we follow Jesus, we are constantly having to deny ourselves. Are you following Jesus? Would you stand as we pray? God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the truth of your word, the truthfulness that we read, your love for us in Jesus. Help us to know him. Help us to follow him. Help us to live for him. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.